Welcome to YP Connect, a podcast series delivered by YP Gold Coast, the city's leading advocacy group which aims to motivate, inspire and connect future city leaders. In this series, we're talking to passionate Gold Coasters who are at the top of their fields, from CEOs and business leaders to entrepreneurs, academics and health professionals, representing the industries that will drive our economic success now and into the future. My name is Carla Toomer. I'm a YP Gold Coast committee member and journalist and presenter for 1029 Hot Tomato and MyGC. Together with the YP committee, I'll be bringing you six podcasts over the next several weeks, exploring everything from tourism industry development and recovery to building personal brands, pivoting in a crisis and medical breakthroughs happening right here in our backyard. The YP Connect podcast series would not be possible without our amazing sponsors, Thank you to Griffith University, Cronin Miller Litigation, GT Advisory and Consulting, PKF Gold Coast, The Gold Coast Suns and our media partners 1029 Hot Tomato and mygc.com.au. Today we'll be talking about tourism. It's the backbone of our economy and it's what we're famous for and it's been dealt a devastating blow by COVID-19. But as travel restrictions lift and borders come up, we're moving into recovery phase and we couldn't be more excited. More planes in the sky, more visitors and a chance for this $6 billion industry to start getting back on its feet. Joining us today is Destination Gold Coast CEO Annalise Batista and Queensland Airport's Limited Executive General Manager of Business Development and Marketing, Adam Rowe. Annalise leads a team of specialists who are responsible for growing our city's tourism economy. She has two decades of experience in strategic destination marketing and economic development and has held executive leadership across a range of government and corporate organisations. Adam leads the business development and marketing function at Queensland Airports, which owns Gold Coast, Townsville, Mount Isa and Longreach Airports. He heads up a team responsible for growing airline capacity through the group's airports, working closely with airlines and tourism bodies like Destination Gold Coast to achieve this goal. Adam has held a number of senior management and executive roles within the airline industry, previously working for Virgin Australia and Tiger Air. Also hosting today's podcast is YP Gold Coast co-vice president James Goff, who also works in the corporate relations team at Queensland Airports Limited. And he's joined by YP committee member Julia Battalotti, marketing and communication manager at Experience Oz. So over to them. Thanks very much, Carla and um, Annalise and Adam. Thank you for joining us. It's a, it's a really meaty topic uh, at the moment more than ever. Uh, and we might even just jump straight into it. Uh, the, um, the topic of the day, of the week, of the month, the Queensland border, uh, something we've all been thinking about and talking about for some time. Uh, we are recording this on the 29th of June. Tomorrow we're expecting an announcement from the Premier, which we hope will be positive. I guess regardless of that outcome, Annalise, I might ask you, uh, is, is it too late um, or, or are we... Uh, in time to, to start the recovery for the tourism economy on the Gold Coast? Well, James, there's no doubt that Gold Coast tourism industry has been brought to its knees uh, through the COVID crisis uh, and certainly 
the key factor at the moment in ensuring that it can recover quickly uh, is the reopening of interstate borders so that we can access very lucrative uh, domestic fly markets in New South Wales and Victoria. That said, uh, we're very conscious too that borders reopening when it's safe to do so uh, is also of great concern to Gold Coast tourism sector. Um, the last thing that we need or would want as a sector is for um, Gold Coast borders to be opened too early and for that to have a detrimental impact uh, on the health of both residents and tourists. Yeah, so how, how are you feeling right now? And I guess to capture this moment in time, uh, you've been you've been a really vocal, uh, you know, advocate for this and, and you've, you've spoken a lot on the issue. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about everything? I feel quite uh, nervous on behalf of the sector um, in terms of the announcement tomorrow. Obviously, we're very much hoping that um, the borders are reopened tomorrow and uh, in addition to the borders that social distancing restrictions are eased to get the sector back on its feet. Um, it's fair to say that after five months, there are a lot of businesses, um, particularly smaller businesses, mum and dad operations that have really been hanging on uh, by the skin of their teeth uh, and are all um, have their hearts in their mouths, so to speak, uh, in anticipation of tomorrow's announcement. Um, but also who've been doing it very, very tough uh, over a prolonged period of time uh, and are hoping for some relief and deserve some relief. Um, well, Annalise, I guess um, tourism is the lifeblood of our city. During the COVID-19 crisis, do you feel um, enough has been done by all levels of the government to ensure um, its survival? Yeah, look, uh, my full-time job uh, at the moment has been uh, lobbying and advocating at all three levels of government, so federal, state uh, and, of course, local, to s help support uh, Gold Coast tourism sector, the largest economic driver on the Gold Coast. And certainly um, we have a situation in the Gold Coast where uh, this is very, very devastating and will have a long-term effect on Gold Coast's uh, economy, not just because of tourism but because every single sector is inextricably linked to tourism and to the outcome of tourism. So we are talking about saving Gold Coast's economy and in doing so ensuring the viability of Gold Coast's community for years to come. Lobbying three levels of government uh, is therefore absolutely vital and there's a number of things that we've been lobbying um, three levels of government for. One is instant practical relief for businesses in terms of um, discounts on rates, deferrals of payments, tax breaks, um, but also uh, some additional funds to market Gold Coast because what we know is that when there's a pent-up travel uh, demand for travel and when travel's possible again, there'll be absolutely fierce competition in the market. Now, in terms of whether or not the council, uh, state and federal governments have done enough, uh, certainly I think that in the very early days, um, the governments were very much responsive and reflected and um, responsible in terms of ensuring that the health crisis was can contained and I think all levels of government can be applauded for their efforts to do exactly that. Um, in terms of rescuing, if you like, uh, tourism, Gold Coast's um, tourism sector, we estimate a up to a 74% decline in visitors. Um, and we talked about earlier about a $6 billion economy uh, that we think, uh, and this is conservative, will lose between $3.3 billion and $4.3 billion in the 2020 calendar year. So it's never enough. Um, and all we can do, and we are also very, very conscious that tourism and tourism stakeholders are 
uh, part of a very long conga line um, requesting support from all levels of government. So all we can do is make our case uh, for support very clearly and um, certainly that's something that we've been very focused on over the last few months. And you touched on Annalise, I guess, um, you know, tourism campaign mode now. Uh, Destination Gold Coast, I imagine, is, is well into that. Um, but you're competing against every other domestic destination in the country. Um, so, so what are you doing um, in that space? Yeah, it's a very good, good question, one that um, I guess kept us very busy alongside the lob- lobbying and advocacy bit. Um, we've had a multi-tiered or staggered approach to uh, our recovery marketing um, in place and ready to go for several months now. The first phase of that campaign has been um, a remind phase where uh, travel wasn't possible but we certainly were trying to keep Gold Coast on everyone's radar and also make that um, connection that people have with the Gold Coast uh, and it's quite a a nostalgic and affectionate connection that um, our visitors tend to have front and centre of their minds so that when travel is possible again, um, Gold Coast is at the top of the list. Um, to that, we also we didn't want to invest too much in that phase too because obviously um, people weren't able to travel. So we came up with a series of very low budget um, uh, online videos um, and uh, planted them across a bunch of channels. And um, we uh, um, had extraordinary results. And I think we two videos a minute each. Um, the first one was an ode to parents who've been doing it tough during lockdown. Um, and the second one was also uh, about all of the businesses on the Gold Coast being readying themselves to welcome back visitors, and that was quite a cute film as well. Um, they both touched a nerve, and the results were extraordinary. Um, the first uh, film uh, has reached about 2 million people and has an average view time of about 56 seconds of a one-minute video. Um, and the second one, we, we weren't quite sure we'd be able to top the first one, but the second one has 5 million views um, and an average view time of 57 seconds. Absolutely smashed it out of the park. I think one of the things that that exercise demonstrated is a strong connection to the Gold Coast, tapping into the pent-up demand for the Gold Coast. Um, and we're very well positioned now to move into the second phase of our campaigning, which is to the intrastate market. Um, so we've invested about $1.5 million in attracting visitors from Queensland to come to the Gold Coast. Obviously, um, that's a modest investment relative to the next phase, which will be interstate marketing, because the size of the prize, if you like, for the Gold Coast um, is really a lot larger with interstate marketing. And so we're very much looking forward to pressing the button on um, a multimedia uh, campaign that will cover our core markets in New South Wales and uh, Victoria and also some other Australian states and when it comes time uh, New Zealand as well which of course is a very lucrative market for the Gold Coast. Um, in relation to the competition uh, it is absolutely fierce you're absolutely right. Um, what we've seen with the COVID crisis is that everyone now is turning its attention to turning their attention to the domestic market from within Australia. So we've suddenly got Tourism Australia doing domestic marketing. We've got the state's um, tourism body suddenly um, completely invested in tourism uh, at a domestic level. And so we estimate there's a couple of hundred million dollars extra uh, within the market for to try and attract people uh, uh, away from uh, the Gold Coast and to other destinations 
Um, that said, uh, we have a massive competitive advantage in the Gold Coast. Uh, we, we are Australia's favourite playground. Uh, it's a branding proposition that we implemented when I um, commenced uh, uh, almost a couple of years ago now, but one that's very strongly resonated with um, the families of Australia in particular um, and also plays shamelessly to Gold Coast's advantages uh, like our beaches and our theme parks and our natural attractions and man-made attractions. And it's an area that, um, or it's a position that no other destination in Australia can lay claim to. And what we do know is that um, along with pent-up demand, uh, Australian families will be looking to reconnect after a period of um, prolonged uh, restriction and also just have some good old-fashioned fun. And in that respect, there's nowhere like the Gold Coast to, um, to do both of those things. So we're pretty comfortable that we're in a strong competitive position. And you spoke about um, Tourism Australia and, and Tourism events Queensland and, and everyone's, um, I guess, after that domestic visitor. In the Gold, uh, or in Queensland, does that mean you're all sort of working a little bit more collaboratively now? I think there's a time to collaborate and a time to compete. Um, where we can collaborate, absolutely, it's it's part of our. It's actually one of our core corporate values. So we absolutely there is some safety in numbers in terms of attracting people to Queensland first. Uh, but then, of course, we are competing with other Queensland destinations for visitation and spend and we have to be quite um, unapologetic about going hard after our core markets. Bearing in mind too that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Gold Coast survival as an economy but also as a community is really in the balance now and I cannot overstate that. So um, it is a time to compete as well and we'll certainly be um, pulling no punches in making sure that we regain our market share very quickly. Adam, we might throw a question to you. Um, I imagine your team at Gold Coast Airport um, is also working closely with airlines as travel restrictions lift um, and there's more certainty around state borders, um, hopefully. Um, I guess, what are your priorities right now? So our priorities are, are definitely um, very much along the same lines as Destination Gold Coast. I think I've spent more time um, advocating and, and lobbying government or um, government organisations the past few months uh, than I did in the past 12 months um, before that. So so certainly looking forward to certainty on border and, and then engaging more about growth. Um, you know, the past few months have been about minimising pain uh, as opposed to maximising opportunity. Um, we're, we're very much wanting to get back into that mode. So we're, we're keeping very close contact um, with the airlines. The, the aviation industry, the tourism industry generally um, has been doing it very hard over the past few months. And so on both a professional and a personal level, it's been um, it's been one big thing that we've been up to over the past few months is just keeping reconnected or keeping connected with everyone to uh, to ensure that you know they're doing okay. Um, we've seen mass stand downs across the industry. Um, we've experienced the same um, at the airport uh, ourselves as, as what the airlines have been experiencing, and that's that's hard for people to take. It's it's very hard um, when people's livelihoods um, you know are, are put at risk or put under pressure. And so making sure to, to check in with the team and, and check in with people that, that are stood down um, has been a big part of, of the past few months. Um, and then moving into what we hope is that recovery phase, um, you know, pending some certainty tomorrow, um, it's been very much around maintaining flexibility or maximising flexibility. So from ourselves, from our workforce um, at the airport being operationally ready, um, for the airlines, um, the same thing, to respond to demand um, as they see it come back. Um, that, that will absolutely help uh, to assist the Gold Coast 
to drive that recovery um, as fast as we possibly can. And I, sp- I suppose, Adam, talking about recovery, we've seen and heard all sorts of modelling on that from things like the V-shaped recovery, which was certainly um, mentioned early on in the COVID crisis to projections that international travel won't return to normal until as late as 2023. You're talking to airlines every day and, and based on those discussions, what do you think recovery looks like for the Gold Coast? So Gold Coast is in a very strong position, as Annalise um, mentioned, around that domestic market and the, and the New Zealand market too. So we can probably take a three-step uh, three approach in terms of recovery. Um, domestic is about 80% of the passenger traffic that we service um, through Gold Coast Airport. And so once we see interstate restrictions uh, lifted and interstate travel uh, opened up again, uh, then that means that 80% of our market is potentially available for us to start to recover along that curve. We're not pretending it's not going to be instant. Um, We won't be back at 80% of last year's uh, travel demand uh, straight away. It will be incremental. Um, At the moment, we're seeing about 20 to 25%. Um, for that post-July 10 um, in terms of capacity that's out there for sale from the airlines. And then that's incrementally going up um, through 40%, 50% towards the end of the year. So we do expect that domestic um, will be absolutely the the driver of that. And within the domestic segment, leisure and visiting friends and relative traffic um, will be the the ones really pushing uh, demand in the first place. Um, Business travel, uh, particularly for the Gold Coast, business events travel, um, we think will be probably the, the one that's going to take longer um, to actually recover, particularly because business events is such a, a long lead time exercise. Um, with New Zealand, um, we're of course wanting the, the travel bubble with New Zealand to open up. It's a very important market for us. Um, so about half a million people travel between the Gold Coast and New Zealand uh, every year and much more coming from New Zealand than uh, than Gold Coast locals um, going over to New Zealand. So that means it's, it's very key for our Gold Coast tourism economy to see the New Zealand travel bubble opened up and, and that's something that's it's got legs, it's definitely moving, um, but we of course need to see the interstate restrictions lifted first. Um, so that's about another another 7-8% of our travel. Um, our other international markets, so um, we have four um, ports in Asia that we serve, so Tokyo, Seoul, um, Kuala Lumpur and Singapore, um, it may be some time longer um, before we see those. I think it'll be a very asymmetric recovery um, for, for Asian markets. But over the long term, that's definitely our future. Um, you know, We'll see most of the world's middle class, about two-thirds of the world's middle class, will reside in Asia by 2030. So that means that in terms of sheer growth, um, domestic is bread and butter, New Zealand is bread and butter, but the sheer growth markets are coming from Asia. And, and as we go through this crisis and out through towards 2030, um, that's definitely where the focus will be in terms of continuing to drive uh, growth markets. In terms of the, the overall shape of the recovery, we think it's definitely going to be quite lumpy, um, certainly punctuated by you know peak travel periods such as school holidays. Um, so obviously the 10th of July will, will mean a, a bit more of a muted recovery to start with, um, not capturing the, the southern uh, school holiday periods, but by the time we get through September, October holidays, and then into the, the uh, December, January peak, um, we'll certainly see um, punctuated uh, sharp rises in demand over those periods and then leading to, uh, to a lower kind of long-term growth um, coming out of it. Um, from our perspective, talking to airlines, talking to the tourism trade, um, talking to travel agencies, talking to tourism bodies like Destination Gold Coast and, and state and national bodies, uh, around a three-year profile um, is what the market and, and what industry seems to be saying. Um, we're certainly not expecting to see FY19 or 2019 levels of traffic back until about 2023. 
so it's not going to be quick. Um, it will you know, take some time to build back up and that's going to mean everyone working together um, to move in the same direction and to get people travelling again, to give them the confidence to travel again. It's certainly not as straightforward as that V-shape recovery that we've, um, we've been hearing about. And, and for those unfamiliar with the term, the V-shaped recovery, I guess, refers to the, the pretty significant and quick plunge that we took uh, economically uh, and then that, that recovery uh, being equally as fast. Um, Annalise, um, Adam touched on the New Zealand and Australia travel bubble. What are your thoughts? Um, do you think it has much merit for the Gold Coast um, market? Oh, we have a very strong, um, again, competitive advantage with New Zealand because it's it is a bread and butter market for us, as Adam said, and um, we've been it's part of our core marketing um, campaign work as well. So uh, certainly, any way we can get the Kiwis here, um, we love them as much as they love us, uh, would be very advantageous for the Gold Coast, uh, including a travel bubble if that's viable. Um, Adam, we, uh, we've had some good news recently, uh, last, late last week, uh, on Virgin Australia, I guess, securing its future as Australia's second airline. That must be something that you're, uh, you're pretty happy about. Yeah, look, certainly the, the news out of last week um, in terms of Virgin Australia's um, going through the administration process and, and Bain uh, coming through as the, as the preferred bidder, um, it's great news. Um, certainly good to see that, that there's a future for Virgin. They're a very important carrier uh, for us on the Gold Coast, so our, our longest-serving international carrier here on the Gold Coast, um, and they carry around 46% of all the visitors that actually come into the Gold Coast. Um, so they're, they're crucial um, for the economy. Australia needs two strong domestic airlines competing. Um, it makes both of them better. And so ensuring Virgin Australia's um, continued... Uh, continued survival and continued operation uh, is, is a very great thing. Um, so we're looking forward to, to working with them um, over the next few months and years to, to, to build them back through um, as demand recovers um, and, and certainly in very close conversation with them on a, on a daily basis. Um, Annalise, let's look a little bit further into the future, say about three or five years. Um, obviously, you don't have a crystal ball. Um, things are happening quite rapidly. Um, but where do you predict the city's tourism industry will be? And um, do you believe that we will have um, an opportunity to return to pre-COVID visitors? And what's different? Yeah, look, as Adam alluded to, um, I think our recovery will will take about three years. I think that's accurate. Um, and uh, also, as Adam alluded to, we had an absolutely outstanding 2019 uh, with 13.5% growth, un unprecedented uh, record numbers for the Gold Coast and record spend, most importantly. In three to five years, I think the sector um, will recover, eh? but also I think one of the things that is, some, is something we tend not to look at while we're in crisis mode, but certainly um, as part of the recovery process, the, the sector will become more flexible and more adaptive and much more agile and are able to shift and flex with consumer demands. And I think that's actually a very healthy thing for the sector, um, albeit we didn't really want to arrive at that spot with um, COVID-19, of course. However, I do see our sector is growing as and becoming more resilient as a result of COVID-19 and adapting uh, offerings to suit an environment where people, for example, um, uh, aren't so willing to... Uh, work in and around crowds. Um, that's a strong trend that we're seeing in the research around the post-COVID landscape. 
Um, I do think, though, the Gold Coast offering is incredibly strong and I think it will give the COVID-19 crisis um, is one that we will take a long time to rebuild from, um, but we'll come out absolutely stronger and more resilient at the end of this. Adam, I'm keen to get your thoughts. You've obviously shared some predictions around uh, Asia uh, in the longer term. The next three to five years, uh, are we, what, what sort of travel trends are we seeing emerge? So the next three to five years, I think we'll certainly see travel change. Um, you know, one thing that, that COVID-19 has taught us is that um, we can't take for granted that, that travel will be the same as, as what it has been. Um, as Annalise said, we had a fantastic 2019, which was capped off with the launch of, of flights from Seoul mm. on the 8th of December. And, and they performed fantastically because the Gold Coast has such a, a strong brand and, and Koreans just really wanted to come down here. Um, we will see demand for destinations that offer that clean, green, safe image um, really pick up. Um, and that's where Australia generally and Gold Coast specifically um, can actually come through this crisis um, with an enhanced brand. Um, that's something that we're certainly keen to be um, tapping into over the next few years as we as we not just recover but then move to what would have been growth markets for this year. Um, they might be in three or four years' time. We'll be looking to move into those and, and really push the, the message of Gold Coast and, and come direct to the Gold Coast. Um, we had recently um, airlines and airports working very closely together um, to develop essentially the, the COVID safe um, return to travel plans and and they have not just been noted by the government, they've been endorsed um, by the federal government and, and that means that we can use that as a confidence generator um, for people to start travelling again. Um, we're certainly seeing that people are hesitant at this stage. Um, they really need confidence in the processes at airports and the processes on board the aircraft um, to actually you know, jump back in there, purchase that ticket and, and go on that holiday to somewhere like the Gold Coast. Um, so that means that we as an industry um, need to be working to push consumer confidence as much as possible um, and that will very much help drive that recovery. Once we've established that, uh, then, then it's about pushing um, what is the product available? You know, what have we got here on the Gold Coast that's that's special, that's different? Um, and the great answer is to that that, that there's plenty. Um, Gold Coast is continuously reinventing itself, and and we're certainly as a destination not going to be um, sitting back and, and expecting that that the crowds will come back or that visitors will come back. Um, we'll be needing to uh, to be out there and, and driving change and driving the the message that we are um, open for business um, in order to see them you know really uh, really come back through. Adam, you mentioned uh, COVID-safe guidelines that, that airports um, and airlines have developed. I guess for anyone who's thinking about how travel might look a little bit different in the future, can you touch on what those guidelines look like? Certainly. So between airlines and airports, they've been working very closely um, with Department of Health, with the Department of Infrastructure, as well as the state bodies um, to make sure that we're able to deliver travel and the travel experience um, in a safe way. Um, so that's things like social distancing where it's possible. Um, that's things like making sure we've got sanitizer um, all around the airport available on the aircraft and, and airports and airlines have really come on board and, and, and stated that you know, they're willing to, um, to make these changes and to not just make them but actually promote them um, to drive confidence to, to ensure that people are, are comfortable moving through the airport space and then sitting on board an aircraft um, because... Airports and airlines need to have people um, coming through the building and sitting on board their aircraft. They need to maximise how many people are actually doing that. Um, otherwise, it's just not an economic activity 
um, to pursue. Um, we can't be building terminals that are, are three times as large uh, to enforce social distancing at every step along the way, um, but we need to make sure that where um, where there are potential tight spots um, around security queues, around immigration queues, uh, that we've got adequate line marking, that we've got nice visible signage uh, to ensure that people are uh, social distancing, we've got hand sanitizer available um, to make sure that people are, are following the rules where they can um, and that airports and airlines are, are providing a safe travel experience. Uh, just a closing question for you both. What's something you think that COVID-19 has taught you and how do you think that it will change the way you work in the future? It's reinforced for me the absolute um, essential uh, ability for us to be flexible and to adapt quickly to economic situations, environmental situations. Um, and in many ways, I think one of the real benefits of this crisis will be our ability to change the way we work. Um, everybody's been working from home and mostly successfully, um, but also there's got to be a lot of opportunity in this crisis to come out um, and be more flexible and adaptive and more open to changing and um, better able to make decisions under pressure uh, and with the limited information that's available at the time. And then to have your circumstances change 24 hours later and have to repeat the process. So I think it's about operating uh, effectively under pressure, being able to flex and adapt um, and roll with the, the punches, so to speak. Um, and I think that's actually a good exercise for everyone. Yeah, look, 100% agree. Um, for, for me, through this crisis, it's been around resilience and, and flexibility. Um, our team and myself, we, we generally travel a lot, um, so we're quite used to working flexibly. We're quite used to opening up a laptop um, perched on a fence or in a hotel room or on board an aircraft. Um, so for us uh, to make the transition from office to home was fine, um, was, was definitely able to be adapted to. But for the wider airport workforce, you know, for some people there was quite a big change uh, where, where their work was at the office every single day. So making sure that um, people have the tools necessary to encourage flexible work, um, not just in terms of delivery, um, not just in terms of si sitting at the laptop during office hours, but actually understanding that, that people's whole lives have changed, um, having school kids at home for, for days on end, for, for months on end, um, needing to do school pickups and drop-offs or needing to nip down to the grocery store because uh, toilet paper was out, um, things like that. Um, just you know, upended people's lives, and so understanding that that change was was almost a constant uh, for quite a long period of time, and that then bred um, and then continues to breed that resilience factor, um, where we are going to be going through a period not just right now, but for the next six months, maybe for longer, um, where there is almost constant change, uh, where regulations and rules um, will be foisted upon us or removed. Um, on, on an almost daily basis, uh, that means that, that our continued adaptability um, remains paramount. I might just sneak in one more question. Um, obviously, we are all quite passionate about working in travel. Um, I guess, what, what is it about travel that's so appealing to you and especially on the Gold Coast? I think, for, for, for me personally, um, travel gives people the, un the ability to uh, interact with people whose backgrounds are completely different to theirs um, and in doing so create a better understanding and appreciation of diversity and different cultures um, 
and I think that that makes people's lives more meaningful. And so the reason that I um, get out of bed every morning too is that um, tourism for the Gold Coast uh, is also the strongest economic driver. It builds our community and that's something that I think we can all be passionate about because um, tourism is really about community growth on the Gold Coast. So travel for me has always been an incredibly large part of my life. Um, grew up here and went to school here and then pretty much from um, from then on I've been kind of moving around and, and spent 17 years away from the Gold Coast. So travel, um, as Annalise said, opens up new worlds, new opportunities, new possibilities. You get to see everything um, from a very different perspective and, and that's something that uh, that really evokes a, a passion in me and, and I know, you know many others. Um, but the other great thing about travel is also the ability that we get to come back here to the Gold Coast and, and see see what it is that that people from somewhere else might appreciate. Um, sometimes if, if you don't leave, you, you don't actually get to understand, you know, what it is that you've got. Um, and so uh, so living and working here is a, is a blessing and, and, yeah, love it every day. Great. All right. And I guess um, in closing, Annalise and Adam, you know, thank you so much for your insights today. Uh We've got, um, you know, Gold Coast uh, professionals, entrepreneurs tuning into this podcast. If you had a, a call to action for them, uh, what would it be? For me, it's, it's spreading the word that, um, you know, post July 10, assuming we get that announcement tomorrow to, uh, to get up here and, and to travel. Um, tell your family, tell your friends uh, that the Gold Coast is open and, and, and make those connections again. Um, you know, some people you might not have seen for, for six months or longer. Um, seeing them again in person, you just can't beat that. Um, I've often said to my team that, you know, in terms of business travel, we've all learnt to work differently. Um, we'll have a meeting um, on Microsoft Teams or on Zoom um, and you can do that uh, with anyone around the country and, and, and get the job done. Um, but you can't hack grandma, you can't feel the sand between your toes, you can't jump in the water in the middle of winter. Um, that's something that you need to travel for and that's something that uh, I'd definitely ask everyone to, to get out there and spread the word and, and encourage people to, uh, to get up here. Um, in terms of learnings for young professionals, um, there's a lot of talk uh, in this day and age about disruptors and um, Tourism is actually a sector I don't think that's been influenced that much by disruptors pre-COVID-19. There's no such thing as disruptors anymore. Disruptors are the way that we do business now. It's business as usual. We must be prepared to change the way that we operate with very little or no notice and to make decisions based on the information that's available at the time but with absolutely no precedent whatsoever. And that's pretty frightening in one way but it's absolutely exciting in another way because we get to shape the way that we operate to a much greater extent and much more quickly than we used to um, be able to and probably related to um, what Adam said uh, earlier the other thing that I think is really beautiful in fact about the COVID crisis as a leader is your ability to really make a difference to your team members worlds where there's uncertainty there's significant economic disruption, there's fear, uh, there's a lot of stress on families at the moment. We as leaders can absolutely play a key role in ensuring that our team members' lives, in fact, um, are made easier through things like constant communication, 
providing all the support that we can um, and just genuinely caring about our team members through what must be the most difficult thing a lot of them have ever encountered in their professional lives. And I think it's really important as a leader um, to not just focus on the numbers and um, and uh, the pragmatic outcomes of your business, but also to understand that you have a bunch of um, human beings working for you and that their lives have been turned upside down by this crisis and that can happen to us at any time and we must care about our people. Yeah, it's surely shown us, I guess, what's really important and I think you touched on that as well, Adam, is, is connection and staying in touch with people. Um, a very basic but, but even more important thing now uh, than it has been in the past. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for coming in to both of you. It was really interesting to hear from you both, um, obviously uh, feeling similar effects, um, but uh, here's to, I guess, a, a good recovery, V-shaped or not. Um, and, yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you.